I want to talk to you today about a biblical worldview. And we're going to get into a conversation about what that means, about what it looks like, and why it's so important. So why don't you stand to your feet? This morning we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. So say amen if you're ready. Here we go. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you impart wisdom to us, that there is a kingdom culture that you're giving us, Lord. And Lord, we showed up here on purpose, God, to lean into that this morning. And so we pray you do just that. Renew our minds as we lean into you. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Paul is addressing the church that he had founded in, in Corinth on his second missionary journey. He's addressing at the beginning of this letter, he's addressing an issue that, that had popped up in Corinth. They, they love to debate there. They love to pontificate about issues and about philosophy. They love to, to prove how wise they were, how much wisdom they had. And so, so what happens is that mentality starts to creep into the church. Now you've got to remember this is a first century church. This isn't a, this isn't a church with 2,000 years of biblical study. This isn't a church that has commentaries upon commentaries about the Bible or books written about the Bible. It doesn't, it's not a church that has all the resources that we have today. It's a church that had just been founded in the first century. So just like Ephesus, just like the other churches Paul had found, there was a, there was a danger there of people coming in in skewing the gospel, skewing the message. And so just like Paul wrote to Timothy about Ephesus and said, Hey, you got to protect this doctrine. You got to protect this gospel against false teachers. He's writing to the, 
Corinthian church saying, hey, listen, this thing you guys have about wisdom is a little, is a little jacked up. It, as a matter of fact, it reminds me of a lot of what happens today on, on the news. A bunch of people sitting around talking about things, making themselves sound smart. And yet it's not beneficial to anybody. We, uh, we live in a culture where we're trying to sound smart all the time. Where we're trying to gauge who's, who's wise and who's not. And in a lot of ways, it's similar to that of the culture of Corinth. Paul is addressing this circumstance where where the more, the more wise you appeared equaled the more spiritual you were. Well, the problem with this definition is it wasn't, the people weren't judged by godly wisdom. They were judged by the teachers in the area. And so there was this arbitrary standard by people in the culture to determine who was wise and who wasn't. So Paul is coming to them saying, hey, listen, when I came to you, I didn't, I didn't come with flowery words. By these standards, I would not have been called wise. I didn't come with a big argument. I didn't come with, I didn't come with a big speech. I wasn't an orator. I came with a simple message, message that Jesus died on the cross, rose on the third day, and he paid the price for your sin and my sin. And by faith in Christ, we are made whole. We are justified. He said, I came with a simple message. I I, I didn't give big speeches. I, I didn't sound really smart. As a matter of fact, I did it on purpose so that wouldn't, you wouldn't trust in the wisdom of men, but you would trust in the Holy spirit. And he says, I, I came to you simple, but at the same time in a demonstration of power. Because we can debate who's the smartest in the room. There is no debate when somebody gets healed. <laughs> it's, it's just really not a debate. If you go all the way back to Acts, where, where Peter and John walk up to the gate called Beautiful and heal the beggar that's there. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And, and, and the, the teachers of the law... The people in charge try to debate them on, on whether it really happened. They're like, hey, listen, he's standing here. There's no debate. He was born like this and now he's not like this. There's not really anything to debate. So Paul says, I showed up to you the first time, not with a big speech, not with human wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. There wasn't a debate about it. I wouldn't get entangled up about who was the smartest person in the room. He doesn't throw wisdom out though. He segues from his visit and he says, hey, listen, the issue here is not whether there is wisdom, but which wisdom you are attaining. He says, there's a wisdom given by man, but there's also a wisdom given by the Holy Spirit that you can't attain by just by, by human standards. It's not the way it works. So that's what I want to talk about for the next few weeks. Because in order for the church to accomplish all that God has for us, in order for the church to be who God called us to be in order for the church to be effective in order for you to fulfill your purpose on the earth. There has to be a different wisdom 
than just whatever the culture thinks is right. We've got to get it from somewhere else. We've got to have a different filter than everyone else. We have to lean in to what God is doing and saying. Today we're facing the same issue. That's a fact. You're, uh, you're deemed wise and intelligent if you agree on issues determined by special people appointed by the culture. If you go along with what everybody's saying, you're automatically deemed smart. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell him. If you just go, if, if you just agree with me, you're smart. That's how we think. Come on, you, you, you could tell them. If people agree with me, then I deem them as smart. The problem is, as humans, we change our mind about things. Culture changes their mind about things. I think culture is changing probably every 30 seconds now. You can't keep up with it. So, so it's like this race to figure out who we're going to agree with so we can be deemed the smartest people in the room. Well, I, culture's moving, culture's moving. Well, I have to change my opinion about it because everybody else is. So Paul's challenging the church not to do that. The truth of the matter is the church is in an identity crisis. We're not sure of what constitutes wisdom anymore and holiness. What should I believe about creation? What should I believe about life's purpose? What should I believe about the future? So in this ongoing conversation we're having, we're going to dive into what is called a biblical worldview discussion. Specifically, what's it look like in 2023? When we asked these questions, and there's about five questions we're going to cover. When we ask these questions, how does it apply? How do we, how, how do we think about it in this modern culture we live in that's so rapidly changing? So here's the five questions we're going to address over these next few weeks. We're going to address the question of origin. How did life begin? You know, it really is important to know how it all started, to have a biblical worldview about how everything started. Then we're going to talk about identity. What does it mean to be human? How are we different than everything else? What, is that, what does that mean for us to be human created in God's image? Then we talk about Meaning, the question of meaning. Why am I here? Come on, some of you might have walked in this morning going, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm in, a, I'm in a job that doesn't feel right. I just feel like I'm plugging along. I, it doesn't feel like there's any meaning. That's a question we need to figure out. Here's an important one. The question of morality. Come on, somebody say amen. We could use a good dose in our culture today of what's right and what's wrong. Amen. So we're going to answer the question, what is right and what is wrong? How do we figure that out? And then the last question, the fifth question, the question of destiny. You know what the saddest thing I think anybody could think is when I'm dead, it's just over. It's just over. So the question of destiny, what is after all of this that, we, that we're doing right now? When I shut my eyes for the last time, what's next? And trust me when I tell you there's something next. So we're going to lean into these five questions, but I want to introduce you to it now with some, with some conversation about wisdom. 
Because here's the truth of the matter. Not all wisdom is equal. Not all wisdom is equal. The wisdom of a three-year-old is not the wisdom of a 97-year-old. I hope it grows a little bit over time. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're still waiting. (laughs) Not all wisdom is equal. Paul said, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I decided not to talk about anything else among you but the gospel. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith did not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul tells us right there that not all wisdom is created equal. He's saying, listen, the simple message of the gospel is wiser than all the wisdom of men put together. He said the The simple message, the power of the gospel is more powerful than all human wisdom put together. He said, so I chose to show up to you the first time with a simple message of the gospel. Paul's letting them know that he didn't come. He didn't come to them first time accepting their premise of what spiritual wisdom looks like. And this is so important for the church because we're trying to look smart to the world with a simple message of the gospel. (laughs) we're trying to take the world's premise and fit the gospel to it instead of the other way around. Paul said, I didn't accept the way you guys were thinking about things about whoever was the wisest, whoever you deemed as the wisest. And as far as human wisdom was concerned, whoever's the best debater, whoever had the most, whoever could win the trivia game every night. He's like, I wouldn't buy into that because that's not how the kingdom gauges wisdom. The simple message of the gospel trumps all the wisdom put together. So he said, I wasn't going to show up and have a debate on who was the smartest person. He's going to show up in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So he on purpose does the opposite of what they're used to, to prove a point. They're used to having what they deem is smart people come in and debate them about something. He said, I'm not debating it. This is the power of the gospel to set you free. So wisdom is not simply found in, in culture's definition, but it's revealed through the Holy Spirit. So, so if Paul would have showed up and said, well, I need to know how you guys feel about this. I need to know if you, if you believe, I need to know if you think I'm smart. I need your approval. I need, I need your sanction. I need, I need you to, I need you to back me up on this. He didn't need any of that. He wasn't buying into the trap. He said, listen, I'm not showing up playing your game. I'm showing up with a demonstration of the power of the Holy spirit. And the church at some point in time needs to just make the message really simple. Can I, can I just say this for, for a second? The problem with the gospel is it's not logical. There's no part of the gospel that's logical. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know if that's a math equation you can figure out. And what we try to do is we try to, we try to engage worldly world culture and in the idea that we can convince people that this makes sense. And Paul said, I didn't come to debate whether it made sense or not. I came to show you that it was powerful and could set you free. 
Paul says, I don't need people to think I'm smart. Not all wisdom is the same. It's not wisdom of this age or rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, he says. It's not the same stuff. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, a chapter later, verse 18 and 19, he says this, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, here he goes again, if anyone among you thinks he's the smartest person in the room in this culture, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. He, he's, he continues the conversation with the Corinthians. He says, listen, if you think you're smart, the best thing you can do is stop thinking that way. Because, because the smartest you can be on your own is, is inside this fallen culture, this fallen world. And what the gospel does is it transcends all that stuff. It's not the wisdom of man. So Paul says, it's not going to do you any, any good to think you're the smart. It's not going to do you any good to adopt the culture of this world. And then we know Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So so the proverb says, hey, you know where wisdom actually starts? With fear of the Lord. Reverence for God. Faith in Jesus. That's where true wisdom starts. And Paul later on in his first letter to the Corinthians, says the same thing. He says, this gospel is where it starts. This gospel is what the Holy Spirit has given us. This is wisdom. So you say, what am I supposed to do with that? You have to be able to tell the difference. The problem with the church today is that we can't tell the difference. We get caught up in the wisdom of the culture. We get caught up in these issues and we don't have a worldview that can separate them and say, no, this is true wisdom and this is foolishness over here. No matter how many people assign with it. So Paul writes this, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. He says, I came with a, dem- a simple demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. But to mature people following Christ, I did come to impart wisdom. Although not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand the things freely given us by God. Paul's saying, you have to understand where you came from. You have to understand who created everything. You have to understand your purpose. You have to understand your identity. You have to understand what's coming after all this. Paul's saying, this is wisdom imparted to you by God himself. And it will be in conflict with the culture. 
So now we're, now we're at a crossroads. We have to be able to see it. We have to be able to differentiate between the two. Is this godly wisdom or is this this what everybody believes? Is this from God or is this just the masses deciding something? Because he also says this, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to them. How many times in our culture do we, do we know that it is laughing at the church? It's folly to them to believe God created everything. Paul is defining the source of wisdom for the Corinthians, not a collectivist agreement on what sounds smart or acceptable practices of the current culture. This is, a, this is timeless wisdom given before what we know now to exist. He's saying this gospel message was given before creation. This is wisdom. This is timeless wisdom. That's why 2,000 years after Jesus, we could crack the Bible open, read it, and the way we should treat our kids is in there. Come on, somebody say amen. You may not want to, but it's in there. That's why we could crack it, open it up 2,000 years after the New Testament, and read how we should treat each other in marriage. We just talked about that a couple weeks ago. How we should treat each other in marriage. It's still relevant today. Even with all the craziness going on. It's still relevant today. How we should handle our finances. It's still relevant today. Why? Because it's timeless. Because it's timeless. I can guarantee you if you Google some investment strategy today. And 25 years later you go back to the same advice. It probably won't work. Because it's situational wisdom that changes all the time because the culture changes and the, and the time changes. But the biblical wisdom that Paul is talking about never changes. It never changes. Look at your neighbor and tell him it never changes. So I think there's a couple questions we have to ask to define, to differentiate. I wrote down four of them. So is what I'm hearing... Is it wisdom just because everyone agrees? Here's what I would say about this. If you're, if you're in a crowd where everybody is in agreement, I would probably leave. <laughs> because, because the Son of God came to earth. God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, walked the earth and couldn't get everybody to agree. It's scary to me when everybody is agreeing. And then the next question I would ask is, who is everyone? Like if everybody's agreeing, I want to know who they are and what they believe if they're all agreeing. And then I want to know if we're all agreeing, does it change with the culture? If the culture changes, does this rule change? Because biblical truths are just that, permanent biblical truths. And then I'm going to want to know what are the motivations of those who espouse it. Here's what I know about scripture. That the God who loved me enough to send his son is the one who wrote it down for me. That the one who saved me from my sins, set me free, and offered me eternal life is the one who laid it all out for me. I don't have to question God's motivations. 
but the wisdom of the world is different. Godly wisdom did not originate with man. Therefore, it doesn't change with man's opinion. Just because culture changes and becomes, and becomes antagonistic towards godly wisdom doesn't mean godly wisdom is all of a sudden wrong or invalid or outdated. It means man's opinion has changed about what is permanent. Paul says, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. Think about that statement. The wisdom of the age when Jesus was crucified from the Jews was he was a blasphemer. From the Romans, he was a troublemaker. That was the wisdom of the age. The smartest people in the room deemed him as a blasphemer. He's got to go. It didn't matter how many people he healed. It didn't matter how many people he raised from the dead. It didn't matter how many, how many, how many times he could come in conflict with the Pharisees and prove them wrong by, by their own scripture. It didn't matter how many times he did it. The wisdom of the age was that he was a blasphemer. When the Romans came into it, they went, man, we just, we just need the thing to go away. We just need, we just need Jerusalem to calm down. So what are we going to do? Well, just whoever they want crucified, let's get it over with. Get the thing to calm down. Yeah, Pilate washes his hands, but he lets the whole thing go. Because the wisdom of the ages, just keep the Jews quiet. So if they're demanding this guy be let go and this guy be crucified, what's it to us? That's the wisdom of the age. Paul says, if it had been a godly wisdom, they'd have never hung him on the cross. So you fast forward 2,000 years and we're still having the same discussion. How do we let the world determine what godly wisdom looks like? They've, the world, the world consensus has got it wrong over and over and over and over again. And here we are, here we are in 2023. The church has to wake up one day and go, Hey, wait a second. We've got to measure this different. We've got to have a different filter. It's not about how many people like it on Facebook or Instagram. It's not about, it's not about how many people agree with us. It's whether it's biblical or not. It's whether it's godly wisdom or not. And so, so it matters to how we raise our kids. It matters to how we, how we handle our marriages. It matters to how we handle our finances. Listen to me, parents. Every, every parent, lean in here for a second. You got a parent, you're a parent of toddlers, teenagers. Listen to me. Parenting your children according to biblical wisdom will never be popular. They won't. We raised three kids and we had to continually have the conversation with our kids. And our kids were docile and for the most part obedient. But we constantly had the conversation with them. Hey, listen, the Joneses are going to do things different sometimes because we are following Christ and we are using his example and his word as our filter for what's right. So sometimes, not all the time. But sometimes it's going to be important for us not to do what's popular. Sometimes it's going to be important for us to carve our own way because we're using the filter of the Bible, not the filter of consensus. We're not using the filter that all of our friends are happy with us now. We're using the filter. Are we pleasing God is what we're doing, giving glory to God. So that's automatically going to mean it's going to look different. 
our filter is different. What we deem as wise is different. So it brings us to this. How can godly wisdom be applied? How do we do it? Paul said, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I I need you to see the pattern he does here. He says, the first time I came to you, I didn't come with any smarts. I came with a demonstration of power. I came with the gospel. Then once you receive the gospel, I could then give you the wisdom. He says, only spiritual people can accept spiritual truth. So this is where the church gets it wrong. We debate people who don't under, who are not spiritual people. They have not received the gospel yet. So the church gets it backwards. We want to go into the marketplace and debate whether it's right or not. That's a moot point. It doesn't even matter. Nobody's going to receive it until they receive it. So Paul says, here's the pattern. Show up with the gospel in a demonstration of God's love and power. So when the church shows up in the middle of chaos and we present peace, when the church shows up in the middle of of craziness and we present, hey, listen, there's a way to be saved and delivered from this. When the church shows up and people are delivered from drugs and addiction, when people are marriage are restored, people are healed. When there's a demonstration of power, then guess what? Then we can have a wisdom conversation. He says, because unless you're spiritual, you're not going to get it. You can't understand the things of God. So here's what happens. Can I get honest with you just at the end here? There are more Christians having political discussions about what's right and wrong than we are having gospel discussions about salvation. Oh, you thought you were going to get out of here without, without getting a little bit. Listen, here's where we are. We walk straight into the debate stage, trying to look smart instead of just showing up, presenting the gospel first, because why would anybody agree with the spiritual before they become spiritual? Paul says that doesn't make any sense. Why would I present anything but the gospel at first? We got to get the order right. If we're going to impart godly wisdom, we can't enforce a biblical worldview on a world culture that doesn't believe in Jesus. That's crazy. So the church has to get the order right. We've got to go with the gospel. We got to go with the arms wide open. We got to go in with forgiveness and care. Biblical worldview filters what we see through the lens of eternal wisdom that's given by God through the Holy Spirit. Hey, the band's going to come up. We're going to wrap it up with just a couple more things. Paul tells the Corinthians is able to impart to them truths that man doesn't accept because they've been given the Holy Spirit, because they've been given the gospel. They now are able to receive. When he says, now they're able to receive, then he says this. The Corinthians are then to judge all things according to the wisdom provided by the Holy Spirit. He said, the spiritual judges all things. So that means once we've received God and once God starts to download 
wisdom to us, a biblical worldview to us, then we begin to judge everything else according to that worldview, according to that biblical wisdom, according to what the Holy Spirit imparts to us. Then we use that as the lens that defines how you work, that defines how you play, that defines how you raise a family, that defines how you have friends, that defines how you forgive, that defines how you think about yourself, that defines your worth, that defines your future. It defines all these things. And he says, listen, all the way back to the beginning, remember they were arguing about who was the smartest and I'm wiser than you because everybody thinks I'm smart. He says, forget all that. When people start talking, you listen and you judge it according to the wisdom that you've been imparted. Now, you know what the benefit is for us? We've got the whole Old Testament and the whole New Testament. That's something they didn't have. We got it all compiled together in one nice little book or a phone or an iPad or however you want to get it. We've got it all together, concise, available to us. We're a generation that Paul would have begged to be a part of. And yet we filter less things through it than any generation before. We wonder why we're ineffective. We wonder why the church doesn't work. We wonder why the church declines. We wonder why all these things are happening. It says, no, we're supposed to judge what truth is through the lens of scripture. The future of your family depends on it. The future of your kids depend on it. The future of your marriage depends on it. Not the wisdom of this world, because I'm telling you, I've heard some crazy, stupid things about marriage and raising kids lately. We should judge them through the lens of Scripture. The construction of a biblical worldview, a filter, gives the church a framework to determine truth apart from culture. There's a basic truth of scripture that informs the majority of our decisions. And if we don't understand those basic truths, then we're in trouble of just accepting conventional wisdom. I'm going to end with this. This is primarily for all the political types in here. Because... Because, man, we live in a culture where people want you to pick a side. They want want you to like, are you on this side? You're the right or the left. You're going to agree with this. You're going to agree with that. Are you for this and for that? You know what the easy way to answer that? I'm for people knowing Christ. I know you have to vote a certain way, and I pray that you would use a biblical lens to vote. But, the, but the, beyond that, we have to be four people accepting Christ because Paul has already told us this biblical wisdom is not going to make any sense until they experience Jesus. So here, here it is, Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses the servant commanded you. He's saying be careful to use that as your filter for life. This is the Old Testament. Moses, Moses is dead now and Joshua's leading people. Going to lead him into the promised land. He's saying, hey, listen, be strong and very courageous, being careful according to all the loyal law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it 
from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. (laughs) You know what that means? It means the conventional wisdom on the right ain't going to get you there. And the conventional wisdom on the left ain't going to get you there. And the church has spent too much time debating sides. He's saying, we need a biblical worldview. We don't turn to the right or the left. We need a biblical worldview that we filter everything we do from. We filter it through the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us. We filter it through God's purpose in our life. So my prayer for you in the next few months, why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray this over you today. The next few weeks, a couple months, we are going to build. My attempt as your pastor is to help you build a firm biblical wisdom, a framework for it. We're going to answer those five questions because we're going to spend multiple weeks on them. What does it mean that God created everything? What does it mean that he was intentional about me? What does it mean... Why am I here? What's my purpose? All these questions, we're going to build a framework for this. And my prayer is that it would inform our decisions in the face of a rapidly chaotic changing culture. Not simply for the purpose of surviving. I don't believe in just surviving. I don't want you just to make it. I believe that we have an opportunity, a window that we can be the most effective church we can possibly be, even in the midst of a rapidly changing chaotic culture. And that what that requires is that us to have a solid biblical foundation of how we live our lives to treat other people. Amen. Can I pray that over you this morning? Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, for you to download wisdom into us. That as we lean into your word, as we lean into the answers to these questions, God, that you would would impart wisdom into our lives, Lord, so that we can judge what, what what the majority says is right against what you say is right. And we can live a life that not only glorifies you, but brings other people to know you. Lord, so we pray we get the pattern right. Give us a heart that breaks for the people around us. Lord, that we don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but we just offer them you. Lord, we pray that you'd work through us as, as, you, as you strengthen this foundation. Lord, that you'd work through us at the same time. We thank you for it. We give you glory for it all. And we look forward to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, could you say amen this morning?